0: Women seeking seeking um, personal therapy, and also also because more uh, black therapists are becoming visible as well. So there's so so they can see themselves in the profession, and they can see themselves in terms of potential um um so potential professionals that they'll feel more comfortable to identify and also to work with. So that's that's what that's what I would say. Mm.
1: Yeah, so that's, and that's a good thing isn't it, Um, someone going along and seeing someone who looks, you know, see someone who looks like us and we can relate, they can relate, you know, there's a lot of things you don't have to kind of worry about. So would you say that that's kind of making people more comfortable? Um, Because I know years ago it was like talking about mental illness or, you know, just um, having some counselling or or, um, psychotherapy was frowned upon, especially in our community.
0: Yeah. Um, I think definitely has helped. Um, there have been a, and I mean, I've had a number of conversations professionally as well as personally with people who have said they have, um, gone to see, let's say a non-black therapist or particularly a a non-black therapist of color. And they felt that it's been, it's been a struggle to really connect. Um, or they've, they've they've felt that they've had to kind of explain themselves in certain and, so so definitely there's been a number of um stories where people have just have said they haven't they struggled to connect with the therapist who who wasn't black or particularly if they were white They, they found it challenging to to really connect with them um that's not to say also i have to say that there are also people who who aren't bothered um about about the let's say the the, the background or the ethnic background of the therapist that they are working with some people but it's it really about what is your need mm-hmm. so that, I think that's the that's the, that's the, that's a crucial part is what is your need if you if you want to have um, a, a, a black therapist then are you able to easily ex- um, access one and get hold of one and I think that's more the issue but obviously if you if you're not bothered then it doesn't really matter but if you do want are you able to get one? And that's particularly more of an issue when you when you go through the public sector um, counselling services, like um, obviously like IAPT, which is um, improving access to, to psychological therapies, which is part of what the NHS provides. Um, and it's going to be kind of borough dependent, it's going to be locality dependent. So outside of, let's say, London, Birmingham, Manchester, and so forth, there's another if you're a black person living in, in outside the main cities and you want to have a um, a black therapist, do you do you are you able to get one? Um, and, and these are some of the other the other the other issues as well.
1: Right. Yeah. So um, even though there's more therapists out in the um, system, um, obviously depending on location where you are, you may not be, have access, and obviously that could be a problem if that's if you specifically require somebody. Um, exactly. the Same um, ethnic background, so there's yeah. still there's still things that need to be sorted in you know for mental health for the mental health of the BAME community. Definitely. Mm. You know, definitely. There's so
0: much. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's so yeah. Not just say there's there, there, is, there is so many um, in terms of um, meeting the needs of um, of of specifically African African Caribbean community um, in terms of the our exposures to different stresses in terms of our current um life experiences in terms of historical uh, experiences and all those things feeding into the context of of helping to understand um people's challenges but also how people how people deal with those challenges how people express those challenges um may not be how the let's say white majority um culture Mm -hmm. um, expresses it understands it and conceptualizes it so Sometimes this is where the mismatch can be because you, because there might be an, an expectation of if you are distressed, you're going to present in this particular way, whilst other people may not necessarily present in the same way. So, so then it's like, okay, how 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 do professionals understand what the person is trying to communicate or or is is, is showing?
1: So, having a different worldview and a different mindset on things. Um you know is going to could pose a, a big problem and um, yeah as you said being this this that uh, diagnosed um for people um sometimes you know the way someone might deal with a situation is going to be different than maybe the general public you know um might see it uh, you know, that you know the native public might say it so again is that kind of a problem like um, maybe something where the person probably just needs to talk to somebody and you know they're going for a temporary situation and they might end up kind of being diagnosed for a long term situation. Is that is that kind of what happens?
0: Um, it's more about how the symptoms are um, interpreted so. Um, so, the, so I think they'll say that let's say um, a black 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 people um, black, black people are more black men are more let's say um, can be diagnosed as schizophrenic, whilst let's say a white person might be bipolar, presenting similar symptoms. So that's where the people obviously the politically um, the kind of the words that you hear about is unconscious bias or all these things is, is that me, the uh, psychiatric services and, and the use of particularly um, DSM which is a, a diagnostic statistical manual and um, says if a person has a certain group of symptoms displayed in a particular way or um, let's say a particular length of time then it will indicate that a person has this particular issue um, and this is where the diagnosis comes into play but those diagnosis relies on the correct interpretation so this is where human kind of prefer, um that one, well, the people's biases come into play is that the same the same group of, group of symptoms are interpreted in different ways for different people
1: right and um that having more people in the system as in working in the system is it yeah does it make it any easier or do you find you know it your voice is not able to be heard amongst the you know the noisy majority, or is it making difference? Um, it is
0: like like a other like so many aspects of let the public health sector or the public the public sector is about position. It's about positions of power, and, positions of power and influence. So even within the mental health system, there are a lot of um, let's say black people working in those in those um, in those systems, but what positions do they hold therefore are they are they make are they in a position to make if are they in um, position to influence decision-making are they in a position to influence inf- in position to imp- implement policies and so forth commissioning of, of different things so that's why um, the conversations around Black people being part of the system is is important, but also we also we also have to caveat that by saying that it's about positions of power as well, and also having um, I think something that someone said recently that that that, that um, stood, kind of caught my attention as well is that you need to have like a like a have, like a group a minute you need to have like a, like a core number of people because one person in a position of power by themselves won't change won't, won't lead to uh, fundamental change but you need you need a a, a core of people with the same mindset Mm. striving to 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 achieve the same thing um so that it doesn't just become almost like a um what's it what's a phrase that i've I've heard is basically um
1: oh sorry
0: Um, well it's basically it's the fact that if if that person goes and that's it so, um, but but you need a core of people um, trying to with the same mindset trying to achieve the same thing. So, definitely having more people, whether it's in the mental health system, whether it's in NHS um, and NH- um, the general NHS, whether it's for different aspects of, of the criminal justice system, oh, they're all very very important. But it's also about about are they in position to influence key key um, decision making aspects of
1: that particular sector. Mm. Yeah, um, I want to talk to you about Windrush and COVID-19, but before that, yeah. what can people do? What can we do in the community um, to help the system, uh, to, to help what's going on with um, black people and, and maybe misdiagnosis and different things that, you know, is not satisfactory at all? Um, what would you say that families can do or just people in general as a community what can we do collectively
0: i think it's always this there's always um a more multi multi pronged approach with a lot of these things in terms of the needs to um pressure applied from the outside mm-hmm. um as well as obviously if you are in the inside trying to use your diverse positions you you have or, or or whether it's collectively coming through different associations whether it's using the kind of the reporting mechanisms so it's um lobbying and um, advocating ca- campaigning It so it all depends on the nature of the situation but also where you are and what, what you have access to so quite often as well as actually even if you can't do anything, do you are you able to um, tag on to a, a bigger a bigger collective? Do you have opportunity to network and to um, kind of try and create alliances in a way that will help you to push your message forward? Um, so it really really depends on on the on, on on the issue. Obviously, if you've got a family within um, who's who is in the mental health system and you're not happy or. Well, with with what's happening it's about knowing your rights Mm -hmm. because quite often the mental health system is is in terms of the medical aspect of it it's also a very legal process in terms of it's a very much about knowing your 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 legal rights if you are caught up in the mental health system as well in terms of um how, how how long you can be sectioned for um what rights do you have to appeal um do you, do you, in terms of having a, um, an advocate or getting an, an, an independent advocate in terms of the different forums to appeal, whether it's a tribunal, whether it's um, through the associate, associate um, hospital managers' um, process? So, quite well, often, it's about knowing your legal rights when it comes to the mental health system as well. Wow,
1: so yeah, so we need some legal people to um, come together with people who's passionate about doing something in this um in this sex- sector um, and that's the thing Kwame how would you, in terms of the different things that um go you know that we're going through in the in the black community where would you say yeah. mental health is is that sort of at the top of things or would you say other health issues i mean i know this is your specialty you don't probably
0: deal with yeah. the other things
1: but would you say it's we're in a really would you say we're in a really de- delicate situation right now or would you say um, there's other things that maybe you know might take um, might might come before that.
0: Um, I mean, it's obviously the, the, uh, the, the kind of the phrase can be like mental health is wealth and and everything. Mental health is the bedrock for for anything else that you might do. But ultimately, there is uh, there's different um, physical and mental health concerns within within the community. Um, and I think that's what COVID has, has definitely shown us that um, health inequalities and issues around um, around health are, are are there within our community. So mental health is an aspect of it, but obviously aspects of physical health um, has been shown to be a major issue in terms of diabetes and so forth that uh, has made more Black people um, susceptible to to be adversely impacted by COVID. So it's not one thing or the other um, but I think in a sense in a sense they talk about um, unresolved trauma and stress has has a, an impact on physical and mental health so it's not one thing or the other I think I, I, think, I think that's what that's, I think that's what that's what i would say is that um, stress and unresolved trauma has an impact on both long uh, on, uh, has an impact on both mental and physical health and so just a case of depending on a person's particular circumstances so is how it, it expresses itself will, um, will either be through the mind or through the body yeah. or both at the same time yeah yeah
1: because um the, you know in, some people would say the body and the mind is is one you know just yeah but the, the body expresses what's going on in the mind and so they yeah work hand in hand um yeah. i want to talk just briefly on before we, we go a little bit deeper into covid 19. um so, yeah self care. What can people do? What would you say um, people should do, especially people who are really stressed or have very stressful jobs or have a very stressful life? Maybe they're going through difficulties or um, because I think trauma, people don't always realise that, you know, trauma can be um, so many different things. So I don't know if you would like to highlight some of that and then also what people could do to help themselves in in the meantime.
0: Sure, I mean, self, self-care self um, really is about um, making an intentional effort to do something, for me it's making an intentional effort to do something on a regular basis, which enables you to kind of decompress, enables you to enjoy, have fun, relax, um, rest, recover, these are all variants of it, but quite often it's something that has to be built into your lifestyle as well. So we're not talking about just going for one spa weekend and then everything's fine. Up. Everything's fine after that. Um, ideally, self care is something that you do on a regular basis, whether it's once a week, every two weeks. Um, so I would, that even like people, some people say like spend like ten minutes a day, just like um, trying to like meditating or relaxing or, or or something like that. But essentially, you have to do. It's it's best to be done on a regular basis. Something that also maybe. Has some some level of um, movement. I would not say yeah. uh, kind of. I will say. I, would say, I would say going to the gym, but some sort of a physical physically based activity that requires some level of movement um, that will also help to release quite a lot of tension as well mm. um, and and stress. So, but equally for some people, it might be just sitting down and and knitting um, for for twenty minutes, half an hour, reading a book. So there's so many variations. So read about finding what works for you and um, but also something that's doing something that's varied so not not just one thing all the time um, finding a combination of different activities that that kind of um, touches on different aspects of you whether it's physically mentally spiritually as well and um, so yeah so that's why that's why it's very hard to be it's, it's very hard to be prescriptive but it is really about um, becoming attuned into your own um let's say triggers as well and your own symptoms uh, kind of become aware of your own symptoms of when you get stressed how do you express it do you withdraw do you become more irritable do you become more aggressive do you start getting headaches do you start getting an upset stomach um so so there's also different signs of stress that we all exhibit and it's trying to find out what what your particular one is so that when it when it starts to build up You go, oh, okay. this is what this is what tends to happen when I'm getting stressed. So I need to make sure that if you haven't been doing your self-care routines is I need to actually make a point of of starting to do it so that I don't wait till I get to a particular tipping point before I I, I start doing it. And that's the key with self-care is trying not, not, not to get to a breaking point, but actually trying to build into your into your lifestyle so that so that it is something that is not seen as a chore, but something that's integrated into your everyday life.
1: Oh, I love that answer there. Um, and I think it's so important. And I think what you said there is, makes so much sense as well, because if you think of health, it should be your physical, mental, spiritual and emotional. So what I'm hearing you say is do something to, you know, enhance or to, you know, self-care on all those areas so yeah. that way you're kind of covering all bases um, mm. and also look out for the signs you know everyone's got different ways of um, exhibiting stress so know yes. your stress you know outlet how do you output stress and you know get there you know get there in time before you go too far and it becomes the norm for you is, is that the thing that is yeah. is that what happens you know, like say someone is constantly stressed and, you know, getting really high, high rate and, you know, on a, on a daily basis on maybe several times a day. Is that something that beca- can become a habit and then become quite detrimental to somebody's health where it might have just started with maybe a stressful job or you're in a stressful relationship or something and then it just becomes your norm and later on down the road, it can lead to all sorts of um, health issues
0: yeah and essentially i mean that's that's the the thing around around some people kind of sometimes sometimes is used um, interchangeably of of pressure and stresses that over a short period of time is kind of it's fine and some people need it some people like it some people thrive on it but anything over anything that happens let's say at a um as a strenuous way over a long period of time is detrimental to your health. So it's not so you might be able to cope in the short term, but it's something that persists if you're kind of, let's say as a student, you might do a, you might pull a, a, a an, an, an all nighter and to get to get your your assignment done. And that's over like one, that's over like one day, two days. That's fine. And you can like your body often can can um, deal with that but let's say if you're doing a dissertation and you're trying to do that for seven days straight, at some point your body will say, no, you can't, that's not, that's not healthy, I can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just using that as a small example, but if you kind of, kind of um, apply that to other, other, other things, if you are exceeding, the, the, I guess, the limits and capacity of your body mm-hmm. over a long period of time, then at some point it will reach a breaking point.
1: So it's about um, that that old saying of uh, moderation in in all in all things that you're doing. Don't overdo
0: it. The Mod- body. The body can- don't overdo it. Hmm. So yeah, don't overdo it. And if it's if it's if it's if it's over a short period of time, then it, for, for for most people, it is um, sustainable to a to a degree, um, but obviously in terms of your sometimes age as well is a factor like when you are when you're younger you know people can go party and then go to work and then no problem after a while after a while you kind of need your six hours or your seven hours or eight hours if not you can't function Mm -hmm. so yeah you also have to know your body you also have to know yourself as well in terms of in terms of what are your own natural limits because some people can can be okay on four hours or three hours. Other people will say, I need my seven hours sleep or, or eight hours sleep, otherwise I can't function. So if you know that, then you have to kind of factor that in as well.
1: Yeah. so make sure that you're you're getting what you need. And it's different for everybody, but if you know yourself, yeah. um, you will know whether you need three hours or eight hours, seven hours, what, what have you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, mate. When we we last spoke, when we last spoke, um, life was very different than it is right now. I haven't spoken to you since the whole COVID nineteen, and I'm glad to hear you're all right, and I'm not all right. And but so many people, though, unfortunately, um, haven't you know have gone through so much. There's there's been lots of deaths. um, People have um, had problems, you know. And that's the thing I want to ask you: Have you seen an increase? In the mental health um, across the board, uh, or particularly in the in the BAME community, and and also I want to ask you initially that there, there was a lot of um, a lot of media going out about you know the Bain community being more susceptible. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you know? What can you tell us from you know your knowledge of COVID nineteen?
0: Um. So- to be honest with you, actually, you know what? Um, to start with, the rumors were that it doesn't really affect black people. Yeah, I don't
1: you know that remember
0: that. Yes, I remember that very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So initially, there was a sense of of it's um, we we are okay. It's not really about it's not really about us. And um, so it became so. Actually, there was a false sense of security to start with within within the the within within the black community. Mm. And then, obviously, i um, obviously we became aware that actually it impacts everybody. Um, it, it in terms of like potentially to have it has a potential to impact everybody equally. Um, obviously, research and data there's started to come up to show that black, uh, particularly black and Asian people, were being disproportionately impacted by a COVID. And and there was the the data was there in terms of numbers, but the lack was a lack of understanding, which is which has been refined. Over the months, in terms of um, black people were were in more vulnerable occupations, so leading them to have more, potentially more um, exposure and therefore a greater chance of them um, catching it and and having the worst aspects of it. So, these were some of the things that have come up over the last few like uh, the, the the last few months. Um, in terms of the impact of COVID and mental health, I think. Um, initially, I th- it took a while for that to happen. But I think obviously and most of it was the lockdown, the impact of lockdown, which has taken a while to come through. Um, but the biggest thing really is the amount of um, grief and um, unresolved grief for, for people who have lost um, loved ones within, within COVID. Um, and particularly I think for the black and Asian communities as well I think another big factor is the fact that we haven't been able to a lot of people who have experienced losses haven't been able to mourn yeah. the in the way that they would culturally mourn loved ones uh, particularly, obviously in terms of lockdown restrictions and meetings and um, you know, the gatherings that we would normally have when someone passes away, particularly in the in the midst of the lockdown, um, people couldn't people couldn't do that. People couldn't go to funerals. Um, so so people haven't had a chance to really um to 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 mourn the loss of friends and family um, in a way that they would they would traditionally would do. And um, so there's that unresolved grief that I think is there for is there for a lot of people who have lost loved ones over, over the last six, seven months. Um, so I think that's something that is probably is, is in the background within the community as well. Um, and I mean, that's something I posted on social media was about the kind of strategies for potentially doing that is, um, now that things have eased and even though it's gone back slightly, but is to hold, um, kind of either group, um, um, group kind of gatherings for people that they've lost um and people who have who have been buried but they haven't able to attend funerals it's almost like having to do something in your own time so organizing our as a friendship group or as families and when when at at another time when when the meeting points are are a bit bigger again is to say obviously somebody has been buried We we weren't all able to go but we would like to do a service we would like to do a What's um, 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 called um, memorial. We want to do some sort of gathering, some sort of event to to uh, honour the person, the person's path, um, passing. So we have to be almost inventive now in how we how we um, grieve and mourn the loss of our friends and family and um, through through these times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just been
1: you know so devastating for people and. Uh, hearing some of the stories has just been you know really awful and like you said you know i think people always got um comfort from being able to come together and have the gatherings and have that support and um you know people's you know just feeling as though yeah at least you're not going for it on your own but hearing these stories about you know five people can only attend ten people and, and you just yeah yeah i mean So whole families couldn't even go along to their loved ones, um, you know, which is heartbreaking. So, yeah, wow. So uh, I've heard, I don't know how true it is, but I heard that we will probably have another lockdown before the year's out. What have you heard?
0: Uh, It's, I mean, I I think I I read um, a story this evening by um, the Prime Minister saying, another national lockdown will be it will be a disaster um so even from the first round of lockdown where there was a slow as there was a slowness to implement a full lockdown it seems as though they are going out it's seemingly i'm just a personal point of view they're seemingly going out of out of the way for another lockdown not to happen um but 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 I mean, even even now, with uh, with going down to England, going, going down to six uh, meeting, meetings, meetings of, of of six people, but he can still go to work, he can still go to restaurant, you can still do different things. Yeah. It is that idea of, yeah.
1: It's hard to understand how the logic works for those type. You know, you, you can eat in a restaurant, no mask and. You know, it, you can have a full restaurant. I is, is what I'm hearing, but so many yeah. other things. You know, it's limited. You know, um, it's so limited.
0: Um, and some yeah. things, and then, some things are totally cut off. Yes, yes. And then, and then you've got Scotland has set a slightly different implementation of the same rules. Wales has different implementation. So the question becomes: if it's based on the same data and the same science, mm. why the? different inconsistencies um from kind of country to country so these are the things that maybe again we're not privy to the fullness of the decision making but on the surface we 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 see as as inconsistencies and therefore it leads a lot of people to have mistrust in the decision making of authority figures Exactly, Uh, and that's
1: happening more and more i think now there's such big numbers um, people are protesting every every other week um, yeah. because you know they just don't feel right about you know what's going on and I know it's schools I know schools and um, parents are, are, are very worried sending their children to school I know my daughter um, has been worried about you know sending the, especially the little ones to school yeah. and so many other parents as well um, yeah what would you say about that with, with children I know there's, there's a you know, they've said that children do not um, exhibit the symptoms or they do not suffer, you know, the illness, even if they have the, the symptoms. Uh, sorry, even yeah. if, they, if they have COVID-19. Um, what's your thoughts on that with young... Because I know you specialise in um, young people, maybe from a different aspect, but have you got anything yeah. on this?
0: Again, again, it's, it's the... What is the... The science and the and the rationale for the decisions they're making, because even if children are asymptomatic, um, asymptomatic, and in terms of the, the symptom presentation, the, t- the, the teachers the teachers are so, are still susceptible to get it. The um, family members um, of those children are still so, are still potentially able to get it. So, um, hence why in the midst of the, of the lockdown where people were shielding it wasn't just the person that was vulnerable but quite often if you live in a vulnerable household mm-hmm. you also had to shield as well because there was a recognition that you could pass on the symptoms the the virus onto the people that that were shielding so has that changed i don't know if if, if um, obviously the infection rates has um it's it's not as high as it was previously so there's a sense of flattening the curve and so forth but if there is a spike then what happens then um so children may be okay but everybody else around them is is still is still as vulnerable to the virus as as
1: ever before but you know what i'm thinking of is with children the that you know for them to be in a world now where they've got to be masked up in class for hours on end and yeah they're not allowed to to you know hug their friends touch their friends and you know yeah. what, are, what are we creating with children who you know who's not able to kind of socialize and children are so, social creatures you know what is it going to do to our children um and grandchildren and, and what have you um yeah. if they have to live this way and we don't know it's indefinitely isn't it for now
0: for now, i know they're saying it might be another year, another year or so um, of some of these measures and some of these protocols and so forth. And I think it's trying to find a balance between um, kind of public health and the needs um, to contain a very infectious virus with the well-being of the majority of the population. Um, and it's and I don't I wouldn't want to be in those those rooms and meetings, make making some some of these decisions, but at the same time it's trying it's trying to strike it's trying, it's trying to it's trying to strike the right balance. But what that what that line is obviously is what everyone's keep keeps on questioning for 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 good for, for reasons as well. But I think as parents and as family members, um, if you've got young children is it, it is trying to talk to them, it's trying to give them an outlet for some of the anxieties that they may be having, some of the frustrations that they may be having. Um, and it's is trying to role model for them how best to manage this situation because it, it is a temporary situation which is very which is very stressful for all of us in different ways. And it's and it's a way of of how do we help them to manage this particular stress. Um, and how do we try to do it in a, in a as healthy way as possible. So obviously depending on the age of the child and the maturity of the child is trying to explain to them as much as give them as much information as possible, which is age appropriate, um, give them an opportunity to ask questions, give them an opportunity to express their thoughts and feelings about what it is that's going on and, and, and how that makes them feel and, um, and, and, and all those things as well. Um, but ultimately, we it's trying also to keep in mind for everybody the bigger picture of why there's a need to do what we're doing right now. Because ultimately, some people have become blasé to some of the protocols and some of the needs of of um, of, of COVID um, safety protection um, measures. But, also, but then if you speak to somebody that has had a loss, I'm sure they then they will very much be very much like this is what needs to be done and and this is why it needs to be done. So. Um, with a lot of these things, is is please don't wait till you're personally affected before you take it seriously. Good
1: point. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and one more thing I want to ask about the COVID nineteen is um, people struggling with their mental health. People have committed suicide. Yeah. Um, people have gone into deep depression. Um, yeah, you know, because of job losses and. You know, yeah. debts mounting up, and you know, it's causing course. breakups in um, relationships. Um, yeah. What would you say about all that?
0: Um, so, just to add to that as well. There's that. I know that the, the stats have, have um, been coming up about the amount of um, domestic violence that has um, increased during 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 lockdown. Yeah. Um, um, and also alcoholism as well in terms, of, um, in terms of people's people using alcohol as, 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 coping, as, as a coping mechanism, because largely because it's very accessible. Um, I think it's just, it's just a demonstration of the level of, of collective stress that this situation has placed on, um, on, on, on us as a society and, and as a population. And also it's, um it's also kind of kind of demonstrated obviously the fact that these are unique circumstances where people have been forced for a lot of people have been forced to stay at home have been forced to to almost live on top of each other for an, an extended period of time and these are all the, the unhealthy expressions of stress and um, so it kind of shows how much in our everyday lives we, we because because we're not put into this particular situation we haven't had to deal with it before so this is a um it's a challenging time because it is it's requiring different things of, of us as as people and also again it becomes it comes down to self-awareness it comes down to emotional regulation it comes down to um kind of expressions of of behaviors um rather than kind of responses to actually i appreciate that i'm, I'm stressed I'm, i recognize i'm stressed this is how i'm going to deal with it so there's a lot of reacting and reacting to to stress rather than responding to stress and um, and um and people's unhealthy um behaviors are obviously coming to the fore because of because of this because of, because of what they're going through yeah, I mean, as you said there, you know,
1: just being forced to stay at home and if you're in a family unit, um, that is nice, but uh, seven days a week, month, month after month after month, yeah. what what can families do, what can people do, what can couples do, what can people living on their own who's struggling, yeah. because some people are just yeah. left on their own and they don't know what to do, what yeah. about yeah, all yeah. these, yeah, yeah, there's so many different aspects there's exactly the, there's, the,
0: there's the people exactly. living on top of each other and then there's exactly. people who are like oh my god you know exactly there's so many there's <laughs> such a wide spectrum of circumstances because you have people let's say who are living you know when 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 the first when the lockdown first started they were talking about okay go out go out for one day a week into your garden yeah, I know. <laughs> and then when it's like well not everybody has a garden so if exactly. they do not, not Nobody has a balcony. What did they do? Um, so there are aspects of the spectrum is, is is people who are who have been who have been lonely because they're living by themselves. Um, whether whatever age they are, if you're if you're living by yourself and and you're by yourself for an extended period of time, that's unhealthy. Um, so there's issues of loneliness. There's issues of of um, stress because of kind of let's say. Um, number of people in a let's say smallish living space which is another issue as well is that you may be living in a flat but because you could, everybody comes and goes it's not an issue but if you're all at home at the same time day after day the house the house can become very, very small the flat can be very, very small oh um, so you've got that and also you've got dynamics of um, unhealthy relationships and whether it's family relationships whether it's, whether it's romantic relationships mm-hmm that haven't had the focus because normally people get on with their lives and but when you're at home all the stuff that you haven't dealt with you know you know is now staring at you so so if you haven't had if you if you've not been having a good relationship with your husband and wife partner and but you've been avoiding each other because you've been working wherever wherever it is now you both keep them busy but now you're working from home and or you're 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 furloughed and you're, you're at home or you're not working you, you, there's no escape from from the situation um similarly if you've got unhealthy relationship uh, kind of unhealthy relationships with your with your with your children again all, all these things so it's it's like a it's a micro, it's a microscope on top in terms of actually what what is what is what is the health of your of your relationship and relationships um, and is basically exacerbating what what might be might have been the um, in the first place. In terms of um, solutions, it requires you to have a bit of insight and a bit of self awareness to try to, I say, build um, resilience within within the, the the relationship or the family system. So, as couples, um, in a sense, let's say I'll keep it simple. We've got, let's say we're couples. You may say okay well if we're both i think that, i mean there's, there's, really, there's really really good tips even on, on the nhs website and stuff like that which would be if you're working from home try to maybe again space space dependent try to work in different rooms like don't both be in the front room on your laptop or wherever it is at the same time all day like actually one, one person can go to a different room you can go and so it's like almost like creating space away from each other as well that's one of the things that I think people, have been taking for, people can take for granted is actually even if you're a family or a couple it, you need it makes that kind of you it need you
1: need some space for each other
0: you need some space from each other, other. You you know, from each other. So, so if you are in a, a group situation you might need to create time and space away from each other if you have to be together all day every day so how do you try so again how do you become inventive so in a time that you have your you were particularly like when people go for the one-hour walks. Mm. Doesn't mean that you have to go go out with each other. Just <laughs> actually, actually, that's your time to kind of just explore, walk about for yourself.
1: For
0: yourself um, yeah. yeah. Um, something I've said in a different context as well is that also as couples or families is that okay? How do we, knowing that this is quite a stressful situation, mm. how do we how do we argue? How do we? How do we almost say okay if we're going to argue about something? Let's let's, let's almost prepare ourselves for the fact that we, that, that that we're going to disagree. We well, are. Yeah, yeah. going to argue. Okay. So how do how to make sure that we kind of fight fair? How do we, how how so how do we make sure that we, we basically you you almost like create a template for yourself to say okay if we've got issues or whatever it is this is how we're going to try and deal with it. It's not going to be perfect, but you are being proactive and you're being. Um, um, conscious about okay the fact that we will have challenges so this is how we're going to try and deal with it either as a family or 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 as a couple
1: you know i like that what you just said there because you know even in relationships in general it is so important for people to realize that you know human beings are not perfect and there's going to be challenges and what i'm hearing Mm -hmm. you say have a contingency plan ahead of time and know that you know especially in these sort of environments where people are clustered together um, you know know in advance yeah we are going to have some issues so prepare yourself and have something planned so i think that's really yeah. good
0: that can really save yeah. people yeah yeah and also so coming back to um i think some of the one of the questions asked about what what can people do as well also i think one of the things that has been advised is also the use of technology particularly if you're living by yourself or there's a sense of loneliness is using if again I'm not saying everyone everybody has it but if you do have if you do have the means using technology to 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 try to stay connected with people obviously there's no substitute for personal relationships and that physical um connection through kind of going out socializing and so forth but at the moment in time we have to adapt to the circumstances and say okay so if we can't do what we what we like to do or normally would do how else can we kind of have a, a semblance of it? So again, using users online support groups or online kind of meetups or different different forums um, using technology to try to 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 stay connected with people. Um, and I think particularly in the midst of lockdown, like one of the things was to kind of video call people rather than text people or or. or or, or use or use like like a normal kind of phone call, yeah. but actually use every opportunity to to try to connect with people. So try and do a video call, what, a WhatsApp call rather than just a text message. If you if, if you are if you if you're communicating with somebody, so these were like some of the some some of the small things that people could do or even can do now is is using is using technology. I know it can get a bad rap in terms of social media and so forth, but actually. It's, it's, a, it's a medium which can be used, um, if used right.
1: Right, awesome. That, that's a really good tip there. Um, you know, finding alternatives um, and you don't have to kind of suffer in silence and be totally isolated. But um, mm. it, it, you can't sort of um, replace the human connection, you know, seeing, seeing a person, touching a person, you know, like hugging and all yeah. the rest of it. But obviously, we've got to do what we've got to do at this time. And those are great tips. Um, So what I want to ask you at this time, is there anything that you would like to share with us about mental health and uh, or anything that you feel we haven't covered so far and um, that you'd like to share with the listening audience?
0: Um, I think we've spoken about COVID and, um, COVID and, and after COVID came, um, the death of George Floyd and the um, yes. and the global reaction and the global reaction has had is had to that. Mm. Um, What's your I think thoughts? My yeah. yeah, so I think my experience, well, my personal experience on top of that is that I had more people coming forward for for therapy after that than before. In terms of COVID and lockdown, has been stressful, but I think. The, um, the global reaction to the killing of George Floyd was, was something that really did sparked um, a sea change in how um, people were, were thinking of being. I think it became a tipping point for a lot of people in many ways, but also became a, a catalyst for people to um, get in touch with some of the experiences over a lifetime that um, they, they felt that in some way that they, they had to um, get over and move on from. Um, but actually this was a catalyst for people to stop and to stop and reflect and to explore um, their relationship with race and racism um, in their lives as well as in in British and British um, society so it definitely became um, a catalyst for for people to come forward um, to, 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 to therapy because I think there was a lot of conversations about race appropriately as well about race and racism but also it became overwhelming to, to some to some extent as well and people needed a space to to process what what they were feeling thinking and feeling
1: yeah i mean you know there were so many um, celebrities coming out and saying you know what they've yeah. gone through you, and yeah, just my story. yeah, you know, yeah. I, and people just you know talking about all different things. and I, and i think i think um, people kind of just accepted for a long time and didn't realize that you know, this was a kind of trauma that people was accepting. And I think with everyone, with people realising, oh my God, you know, we need to talk about this. People realising yeah. they've been carrying these things for years because people are yeah. digging out really yeah. old stories, you know, um, yeah. when something they had gone through, someone might have said something, or the micro-aggressions, um, I think they call it. Yeah, where, Yeah, you know, yeah, throat yeah. Throat. is that where someone's kind of been a little bit, they're not being outright, but
0: yeah, you, you can feel it. You can feel the, the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right there in, in terms of um, a lot of um, everyday, ra- particularly everyday racism, had become so normalised that it's just things that it's just things that people just say, oh just it just they kind of just, ch- just are kind of we we just kind of just chalk it down to another just another one. Um, it's another one. It's another another one. So. It just becomes ah oh, here we go again. So it becomes so everyday racism has become so normalised that people didn't even stop to think to 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 process it. It's just ah uh, whatever. But actually, there's it, 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 been a build up. It had been a build. There's been a build up coming, and and I think this what happened with George Floyd um, became it became. I uh, a catalyst for a lot of people to actually to to pause and to reflect and to explore the impact of. Um, of explicit racism, but also everyday racism on, on 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 their lives and on the on on how they think and feel about themselves, about identity, about their place in British society, um, a lot of things. So yeah, friendships, relationships. Um, but yeah, it's, it was it, it it was a very very. Uh, it was a very. very it's, it's been a pivotal moment in many ways, not only so really in leading to fundamental systemic change. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of people's personal lives, it was it was it has been a pivotal moment. And yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought Did we lost you there for a minute.
1: Yeah, sorry, um, Kwame, Yeah, what, what was that last bit you just dropped off
0: a little bit there? Okay, no, I'm just saying that um, that it's been a pivotal moment for a lot of people in their personal lives. It meant not necessarily for fundamental systemic change, but it's been a pivotal moment as made people. Um, stop to reflect on the impact of racism on them and and their lives, um, and I think and I think that can only be a good thing. But it's also been a very overwhelming for for um, a number of people, um, particularly if if there hadn't been that ongoing conversations about race and racism in their lives, and then all of a sudden they're kind of confronted with it, and it's, and it's been, they've been inundated with. Everyone telling like the racism story, and it's like oh, so but, um, but yeah. So in a sense, it it had become or it it became overwhelming for some people because of the amount of conversations and the amount of um, just publicity around it.
1: Um, are, you, are you talking about people who are not in the in the community, not in the black community? You say because um, as much as there's been all this. Um, Compassion towards what happened with um, George Floyd—that's also yeah. brought up because um, someone sent me a clip of what's the name of this? I can't remember his name is it Davidson? Somebody Davidson who was been really disgusting about. Um, um, I can't remember the name of the chat, but he's a he's a group dancer, and they did they did Oh,
0: diversity, yeah. diversity, that's diversity. it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and that was—he was just so horrid, you know. And a lot of people, you know, it has caused a, a kind of split where some people are like, you know, this is getting too much publicity, this is, you know, this is too much, and it's not as bad as people are making out. Um, again, going back to what you were saying earlier on about having a different worldview. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you have to walk that person's, walk in those per- that person's shoes to know what it's like for them on a daily basis. Because I, I, yeah. yes, I read something where someone said, um, a black person said, you know, most of the stress that um, black people encounter is when they go through their front door and they have to kind of, you know, brace themselves because you don't, you know, you just don't know what you're going to come across as you go about your daily tasks.
0: Yeah, and I think is it also depends on like what... Um, what, where you work, what kind of what 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 you are exposed to in your everyday life, and um, how much of your authentic self do you feel that that what well, you, you feel you can be, or how much of yourself do you feel you have, you have to censor um, to, way, yes. to 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 get on in your in your working professional life. Um, also, I think the the in terms of the diversity, ish, um, the diversity performance, in terms of other aspects of. Um, Black Lives Matter um, reaction in this country, from a work, from my personal point of view, really is also about the idea about um, the British. I think Edward Hirsch talks about something like the, the, the British amnesia when it comes to race, um, mm-hmm. and the almost like on a systemic level, on a collective level, they want to take credit for abolishing slavery, but not for the fact that they profited from from slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the idea that that Britain Britain is different from America so I think part of the, the pushback to BLM initially was the fact that it was seen as an American import it was seen as why why are why 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 is this BLM stuff coming over here because it's, it's, it's about police brutality in America so why are people protesting over here um, it's not it's not that bad over here we don't have people being shot over here um uh, like we do in america but we forget that that dozens of, of people have been killed in police in police custody or, or 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 have died falling in contact with the police over many 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 years in this country and there's been a feeling of lack of accountability and 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 um, and, and injustice around that um so i think i think that so i think some of the societal push, the, the white majority white majority pushback has been also to, with the idea that it's, it, it's an American issue, it's not a British issue.
1: You know, and you, you're saying about the many people dying in custody, police custody, someone came on the show and they said the figures were well over a thousand people okay. have died, you know, in just dealing with the, the, the police and they've not come back home. So, I mean, yeah. then someone, anyone thinking that this is an American issue only uh, with those figures is it's, yeah, they, they're obviously, they're both definitely not aware of what's going on. And I, and I think that that's what it is, that it's, it shows that even though we're all sharing the same space, all living in the same, you know, country, a lot of people are either turning a blind eye to a, a blind eye to a lot of things, or they just are not aware. Of what it's like for other people mm. to share the same space
0: yeah yeah and and i think i think that's something well the some some would say that, that that's the epitome of, of uh, privilege is that is that you you are able to 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 say i don't want to know about that yeah so that's so. yeah
1: because again a lot of people are saying what privilege i know mean, i've got this problem yeah. and that problem and you know sort of problems that everyone faces but You know the difference is we've got all those problems too, and then on top of it, you know you've got this as
0: well. So that's Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the issues around um, challenging the idea of white privilege or challenging the idea of Black Lives Matter and saying all lives matter is is fundamentally not wanting to acknowledge and to listen to the issues at at, at the issues at, at. at heart because it's been explained again and again is like white privilege is not saying every white person is going to be a millionaire yeah. but the whole point that is that as a social group you are less likely you are you are more likely to to get X, Y and Z you are less likely to experience you know discrimination when it comes to job when it comes to um, pay when it comes to um, kind of the criminal justice system when it comes to the, the NHS so um, all the kind of markers around in society, you are you are less likely to be disproportionately impacted if you are if you are not black, also if you are white or, or or not black. So that's the issues around Black, black Lives Matter. Is not to say our our lives matter more. Is that basically is that our, is that is that our life, our our lives matter as well? Yes, exactly. Well, um, yes. So so, so <laughs> is, is is so so I think that sometimes there's a bit of people being um, disingenuous mm. when they are when they are arguing against against some of these things.
1: Yeah, because I mean it's pretty obvious that people are saying you know we matter too, and not we matter more because um, that, that just wouldn't make sense um, yeah. you know and um, you know people people know you know people just want to be treated um, you know they want they, they want to be treated they want their birthright which is to just be able yeah. to go around your business go about your business go about your day and not end up in a in a body bag you know um, yeah. I think yeah. it's not really a lot um, for, for people to ask to say yeah. you know just want to just want to go around uh, my da- you know, about my day and not feel, you know, threatened, not feel that, you know, am I going to come back? You know, if I'm in a car and, you know, especially for the men, black men, feeling very, um, you know, uncomfortable. Someone sent me a video recently of two men being taken out of their car, they were driving a nice car and yeah. got, um, they got handcuffed and all the rest of it in the end they had to let them go because everything was, was, was above board, everything was in order and um, you know, this is happening all the time um, yeah. and um, it's the, like we were talking about the stress that is building up in all these different, you know, areas. Um, yeah. What I want to talk mm. to you quickly about, and I don't, I know I'm taking up a lot of your time here, but young people, um, what about, yeah. what would you say about our young people today? Because there is a lot going on there. Um, hearing about, you know, young men, in particular committing suicide, or I don't know if it's men in general or young men, but I know that I've heard things around, you know, young people and them having their own stresses and not feeling heard, not feeling understood by the older community. There seems to be a divide, you know, that, you know, and I don't know if it's getting better or getting worse. What
0: what do you think, based on you know what you what you know about this? I mean, the um, the suicide rates for for men are really really bad. I think it's men be, be, um, between certain certain kind of age groups and age groups. So um, I haven't got it to hand, but it's for a, a certain age group. Um, the suicide rates are really bad, and I think men make up the, the disproportionate amount of of kind of like the, the, the global suicide figures um, in terms of like the numbers that die every every year in this country the majority of them are, are, are men within it within a certain age group so there is a real problem around um how men are kind of feeling around their lives and uh, a sense of hopelessness um also how they manage their emotions before they get to that point how how do they manage the challenges that they feel they are facing before they get to that point of feeling, feeling as though um Committing suicide to end, particularly um, emotional pain or feeling um, how 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 the feeling is the only solution. Um, so so there's a lot of things around how are we raising and socialising our men to to deal with, with the challenges that they're facing in their lives. Um, so that's again that's a that's a, a collective issue as well, um, because quite often I feel that we we try to fix we, we try to fix the individual without addressing. The system that they are operating in, um, and sometimes some of these things—if this—if this pattern of of deaths has been happening for and, and for for a number of years—then we then how do we how do we learn from from the, the patterns that that are are being exhibited rather than trying to fix probably the, the, trying to fix the the individual. So that's 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 something for um, let's say a slightly different um, slant on that in terms of um young people um and i think it's, it's all about re- resilience it's all about um kind of how how are we again nurturing them and, and raise them and giving them the, the the tools to to thrive in in their lives um and if they if Particularly if some children are living in vulnerable communities, then is that going? Is that is that providing them the best means for them to thrive in their lives? Because children need stability, they need safety, they need security, they need um, consistency. And if you don't, if they don't have that, whether it's in the home or outside of the home, then they're less likely to be able to thrive. So again, it's, it's what social economic environment. Um, conditions are we creating for them to enable them to thrive?
1: Yeah, and um, I suspect as well. It, it also, what are, you know, what are they consuming? Not just what are they consuming, you know, in eating, but what are they consuming? Yeah. You know, as, as you were saying there. Um, yeah. So parents um, have to be more vigilant with with those things. Is is what you're saying?
0: Yeah, in the home, definitely. I mean, I said in, in the home, there's there's a role to play for for family, for for parents of, of their children in the home. But also, they can't necessarily they don't necessarily legislate um, for the conditions outside of the home. So it's, it's almost like, well, how do you, to certain degrees, how much, how can you instill certain core values and principles for them to operate by once they step out of the door? And um, but also we can't also we also can't forget that um the external environment is also very very um, sometimes intoxicating also very, very pre- also, also also very pressurized as well <laughs> excuse me so so it's 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 work on on again it's work on, on many levels it's work on many levels um but uh, i mean think the 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 best or the one of the best the the, the best kind of buffers and mediators for for, for young people, again, is going to be um, a healthy family system. And so, how, so how do we create communities where, where there is healthy relationships and healthy families um, first and foremost? And then, and then, hopefully, that will give them the the, the platform to to step out into the world um, as best as possible. But also, we can't we can't underestimate the the, the pressure and the pressure that that outside the family home can have on many, on many on many young people in terms of the the the, the pressure to almost to survive daily and the the, the social environment outside of the home
1: and, and i mean that in itself um i'm just thinking back in the old days when i was a child and um just what the children have to go through now like you say you know there's so much peer pressure and um they're having to deal with it on their own. They're probably not even able to talk to their parents and, and elders about these things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, how can parents, you know, get... Like you mentioned about, you know, men, young men, taking their lives. Um, and, you know, obviously people thinking about fixing them, but maybe it's the world that we live in that is all wrong and what is causing a lot of the pro- the, the problem. So um, how would you say families, parents, friends, you know, the community at large, and again, back in the old days, we had community, you know, you couldn't go down the road and do something without somebody pulling you up, who they didn't have to tell you, they just saw you, they know you're a black child, you belong to somebody in the community, and uh, yeah, yeah. and we don't have that anymore, it's like, you know, it's all changed.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's kind of like unfortunately like I said, it's, we are where we are right now. But as much as possible, is trying for, it's for it's trying to nurture those 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 good relationships as much as possible. Um, particularly if you're from a, a larger family network and of like you know cousins and aunts and so forth, it's, it's trying to nurture and almost like given almost like given 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 permission and now being explicit, because before it was implicit permission now it's explicit permission to say like i'm i'm telling you right now i've told this person to look out for you so if they i've told them that if they see you doing this that they, they they're gonna they, they can do this or or they're gonna come back to me so maybe in a way we we, we start building explicit permissions for for um, for our external network to also step in because i think now it's become very it's become very, very reduced like you said before there was an implicit idea that we can we can kind of pull up
1: yeah anyone live,
0: that can, and yeah, no problem, yeah yeah, um,
1: <laughs> no um,
0: yeah no but, uh, cool. but yeah but overall really like people and and all, all everybody oh, not everybody we just need to try to nurture um healthy healthy relationships as much as possible but then this, this is this is where issues around intergenerational trauma um and, and trauma in the community now also uh, is interfering with that because you can't you can't model healthy relationships if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself and or, or if you or, or, or if you've had unresolved trauma that hasn't that hasn't been dealt with that will interfere with your capacity to to form and to and to, and to, and to have healthy and have healthy relationship have healthy healthy behaviors um so almost like we can't have it both ways because there needs to be that those those wounds need to be that need to be dealt with as well and um to, to enable people to be able to have the ability and capacity to have healthy relationships again
1: yeah so the the wounds that are many in the community um you know they need to be taken care of um yeah i mean gosh it's, there's lots to do, isn't there, Kwame? Lots
0: to do. It can, it can feel that way. It can definitely feel that way. Um, but it's, it's. But we have to kind of do what we can do. We're just trying to nurture and model and do the right things as much as possible. Um, and if you recognise, particularly starting with, with kind of the individual, starting with yourself, if you recognise that there are things, there are, there are things to deal with, then you have to do that work
1: your self-care and anything that underline things that you haven't dealt with you know get onto them because these things yeah. do not go away they just get suppressed and they come out later and they don't come out yeah. in a good way you know when you exactly. expect exactly. You know, when you, they come out in the wrong places at the wrong time and so, it's better to unpack them and yeah. deal with them rather than yeah. have them you know yeah,
0: yeah. because it couldn't because I mean, like I said, even part of our conversation today, we're talking about the youth, and we're talking about the, the, the next generation. But the next generation relies on us for as 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 their direct and the media role models. They learn from what they see, from what they experience, uh, implicitly, explicitly. So, if we say we want the best for for the next generation, we as much as possible have to model that, and and that's all, and that's all. The, kind of like socially, politically, economically, um, relationally, all these things we have to model that for them to see firsthand so that so that they can learn from it and kind of absorb it and embody it. Um, so quite so it's a so part powerful we can a lot of people can can like talk about these ideas and so forth, but they not they may not necessarily demonstrate it in their personal lives. Yeah. So then that also that also creates a a lack of um, what's the word it kind of it, it's um no,
1: it's
0: congruent. it's yeah yeah it's, it's not congruent um and it's a sense of actually can i it, like lack of i'll say it's not it's not it's not consistent it's not yeah. it's not kind of coherent in terms of like again the whole idea of you, you're talking the talk but you're not you're walking not the walk
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um and yeah sorry
1: no 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 so i'm saying You know, people in general, you know, um, because like you say, you're so right. The young people are really just always going to be a reflection of what the the, the previous generation, you know, have have done or not done. And, you know, they just literally, they just really represent, you know, everything that we, you know, that we've done right and everything that we've done wrong.
0: Mm.
1: The the fruit Mm -hmm. of the tree, as they like to say.
0: Go yeah, through. I mean, in some aspects, yeah,
1: definitely. Um, yeah, when you say when you say some aspects, uh, do you mean like there's other things going on? Because as well, I do also understand that there's external influences that maybe, yeah, exactly, yeah, may, yeah. that maybe um, people are not able to see parents and and other you know the you know the older generation, the generation before, are not always able to to kind of um, pick up on.
0: Um, Yes You know
1: uh, Most Sort of You know Children going to school You don't really know What is being Put Forward Into them You don't know The little nuances And the little um, You know The things that go on That that gets captured By the Subconscious And You know Stays with the child Um, Yeah So many things Are going You know That parents Don't always um, Have access to Or are able To deal with So yeah, but what you're saying is if if the community takes care of you know what they need to take care of, it will make a big difference. Even if those Definitely. outside things are still out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's what and I, and I think because sometimes there can be a tendency to um, say everything, everything's our, everything's our fault. We need to do this. We need to do. This. And I think sometimes we we can beat ourselves up over like the fact that um, like, we don't we carry full responsibility when actually responsibility is, is, is a shared responsibility. Obviously there's things that we, we need to deal with within ourselves as a community and as individuals, but also there is, there is the external environment in terms of, um, the, again, the social political environment that it's created that enables certain things to thrive as well, or, or certain things to happen. Um, so, so, um, it's, 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 we can't, yeah. So, so I think sometimes we, we are, we we, we we over um, ascribe to blame in terms of mm. we, 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 put, we put all the blame on ourselves. That's very
1: true, yeah. And, and that's something that definitely, um, you know, is not true. It's not it's not true that because, you know, most people care and most people try to do what they, the best they can with themselves and the younger people. Yeah. Um, but there are other forces that can make that a difficult um you know difficult journey wow yeah. Kwame how can people get hold of you how can they find you what
0: are you doing on social media um so social well, socials so as they say social so i'm, I'm mainly uh, on um, instagram so it's Kwame Poker Counseling and my website in terms of people contacting me in ter- um, for, um, for for therapy is uh, um, kind of KwamePoker.com um and then through that uh, you can get my emails on there and uh, my numbers on there as well um and i think the main thing that i've done um it's been a labor of love but um i did some work with dr elaine arnold who is uh, who, who who found who's a founder of um supported relationships and families um and it's particularly that particular organization was looking at um Kind of experiences of um, within the African Caribbean um, community in relation to broken attachments or essentially relationships within within Caribbean families, um, and the idea really was that quite often when we talk about immigration and particularly with Windrush and the Windrush Windrush scandal, um, the experiences that were highlighted were talking about um, the hostile environment that a lot of people experienced when they came over to this country, um, which is again um, very very true, but also an unspoken aspect of um, of migration from from the Caribbean from Africa is the impact it's had on so many thousands of families, where a lot of let's say children were left behind in the Caribbean um, or were left behind in in from the various different African countries um, when their parents came over and without let's say the lack without the without uh, being informed of the potential impact mm-hmm. that this that this would have is left a lot of a, a generation of of um, family relationships where there's a lot of pain because there was there was um experiences of separation but also of of poor reconnection when when children came back to were re- were reunited with families it wasn't necessarily handled in the way that it could have been handled. Um, so there's a lot of um, family disruption, a lot of um, of, um, of wounds from from those experiences that haven't been addressed and haven't been processed by by a lot of people. Um, and from the African perspective um, on 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 migration as well, as within the West African community, particularly Ghanaians and Nigerians, um, there was a a practice of um, placing children with um, white foster parents um, in different parts of the country for various periods of time, and again, that that has a, that has a legacy of its own that hasn't really been spoken about to a great depth. Um, but it's come up in a few films recently. Um, one film was called Farming, um, that was, and then another film called The Last Tree, which explores the impact. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm writing this down. I didn't know Oh, Okay, um, yeah. So farming follows. Um, it's like a it's like a biopic of um, an actor. I can't. It's as um, um, and he's uh, he's an actor. And, uh, he's a Hollywood ha- actor, and, and he kind of this was like a labor of love of of turning his his life story into a film, um, and talks about he at one point he becomes a um, skinning. He joins a um group that were bullying him and he actually becomes part of them um to for many different reasons the self-protection for kind of, um, kind of say, identifying with their aggressor all these kinds of things um but that was a level of um distress you could say um, identity crisis that that led him to do what he did but these are some of the outcomes of being in such a a, a stressful environment um dealing with all these kind of different issues. So, within the African community, there was this also awesome, this phenomenon called uh, um, kind of farming or fostering um, children to, um, to to white um, foster families um, for for, like I said, sometimes a few weeks old, and then people would stay for years and years and years. So, this is so so there was so much out of that, but it all came off the back of of migration. To this country, and people trying to find ways of navigating British society for one for one reason or the other, um, but it's like a consequence of that. And and again, it hasn't been given that much um, that much light in a way to, to talk about it, the legacy of this and the impact of this on black families um, within within our communities. But I think the legacy still lives on in how it influences how then people became. Went on to form relationships as adults, um, and then and how and how they, they navigate personal and kind of sometimes professional um, relationships as
1: well. So it would have impacted them in in, in negatively, and um, it would have shown for some that people, for some, yeah, yeah. And some people would yeah. find a way to to kind of deal with it, maybe work on themselves or what have you. So,
0: it's, I mean. It, Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah,
1: sorry
0: no, I... no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no I was just to because essentially, because they talk about childhood separation is one of the uh, is one of the things that can cause um, separation from a parent is one of the things that can cause trauma in childhood. So, it's not to say that everybody was was affected in a detrimental way, but it had it had the capacity and for to, to do that. And and there are a number of, I mean, first hand stories that I know of, and there's a number of people that I've spoken about how traumatic it was for them to have gone through this Um, and particularly with with the reunion part of it as well I think was quite often very traumatic sometimes if people have come over from the Caribbean um, and they've meeting siblings that they haven't met before um, they're coming into situations where it might be a new parent um, there's a culture shock of coming into a new country um, and then if you've got siblings quite often there's, there's a cultural difference between yourself and, and the siblings that were born in, 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 in this country. Um, and also, it's the fact that sometimes you were placed in a, as a, as a sur- surrogate parent straight away. So, you, so you've left the comforts of, of um, maybe grandparents, aunties, mm-hmm. Um, wherever who, whoever was looking after you and then you come into a situation where you are now let's say a second mom or a second dad or you'll be told that it's not you are now responsible for looking after your siblings and you're trying to adjust to everything that's happening but also you're dealing with the loss of your relationships back home mm-hmm. so so there's all these things that that a lot of people were going through um, and then apart from that resentment there is um lack of understanding there's lack of allowing children to become children because they kind of go straight into becoming i say pseudo parents so there's so much so much stuff around that as well um so yeah so all these things if it hasn't been addressed then it becomes what's happened to it and, and and how is it impacting on on, on their lives even now yeah so,
1: yeah i can see that how you know because it's like these children coming over they you know they come into You know, meet their parents and feel like, yeah, I'm here with mummy, I'm here with daddy, and like you say, you know, they come to a totally different experience, and not to mention whatever's going on at home, they're meeting hostility outside as well because it's not the it's not always the most um, welcoming, you know, place to be. Exactly. So yeah, so those are people that um, are coming through who have got you know. Is, is that kind of what you're saying in terms of um, needing specific mental health,
0: um, you know, aid? They, they might do. I think the, the, I was saying it to say that I, I created um, an information sheet with um, Dr. Elaine Il- 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 Arnold um, and it was just to kind of give people really a highlight of that because it's quite, it can be quite complex information, but I wanted to give something that was accessible um so I created an information sheet really going through um, some of the, the 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 basic information about the impact of these separations um but also the principle is, is is still is still relevant today in terms of if there is um separation between a parent and a child or a caregiver and a child, there might be something that there might be a, an impact on that and it's almost like how best to mitigate those that impact or, or to navigate it um and rather than making assumptions that the child will be okay uh, or i'm making the best decision on behalf of the child so so they'll be fine but actually um when you separate a child from 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 the caregiver or the parent depending on the age it can be very detrimental if it's if it's not managed well um and it can create a wound that lasts um a lifetime but the information- but the but the information sheet was really that that, that um, um, I put together with uh, Dr. Dr. Arnold um, is what's really try- trying to to give people um, some some rough I, some rough some not said rough but mm-hmm. a basic idea um, as hopefully as simple and as uh, digestible as possible, um, and people can get that um, that information sheet um, from from my website or if they contact me and um, then i can i can i can email them a copy um, or i would send for them to read and to, and, and to share cool. but a lot of people have found it useful um because it kind of speaks to the unspoken experiences of um a lot of people and, and how um, um, the, can you just repeat your website and email again if people want to get in
1: contact to receive
0: that okay so my website is um kind of like no, kind of like the w's and' it's, Kwameopoku.com so it's k-w-a-m-e-o-p-o-k-u.com um, and then from that you can, you can my, my email is on there so you can just drop me an email and if you want a copy and that or it's on my it's on, it's, on, it's on the website itself as well and on the blog page so they can get a copy from that but any issues um definitely you can you can find me on on, on instagram or, or email me and then um i can i can afford a copy
1: so oh, Kwame, um, any, any, pa- any last last words to anyone listening, anybody who might be going through depression or feeling a little bit low or feeling, oh my God, you know, um, they're scared maybe to talk to a counsellor, psychotherapist. And, and can, you, can you kind of just, um, yeah, allay people's fears if they do, if they're not sure, they're feeling, oh my God, you know, can you give the benefits of what can happen in these sessions?
0: Um, sessions. Uh, it's really it's, it's it's hard to say without the direct experience, but ultimately, it's a place for you to. Uh, it's a platform for change. It's a platform to 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 speak your mind, to share, to learn, um, to practice. It's um it's a multifaceted space, and and but for, for some people, first and foremost, it's a place to be heard in a way for them to talk. Without be without feeling judged, without feeling that they, they need to self censor, um, it's a place to to kind of kind of speak your truth really and, and, and learn and, and learn to become your your truthful self. Uh, but it's also a place to to test and to practice um, how you are in relationships. It's a it's an opportunity to to gain awareness and gain insight, um, and and that would be the insight that that will give you a platform for change in your personal life. Um, it's not a place that will kind of cure you of your past experiences, but it will help you to not be controlled by it. Um, and, and nothing and nothing that's the difference between, um, that, that idea that, that therapy is a cure is like, it's, it's, you can't, we can never undo the past, but but, but we can but we can influence how the past has an impact on us in the present. Um, and in terms of therapy, um, it is becoming more and more accessible um, for anyone that's seeking specifically um, black um, black therapists. Um, the the go to directory that I recommend is um, is Barton, which is the Black African Asian Therapy Network. Um, so you can search for that. They have a directory, um, and really, uh, um, if you are seeking therapy as well, is is that find um, two or three therapists that you um, that that you may want to work with have a conversation with them do a cause cons- most, most therapists will all offer a consultation um, and because really the relationship with, with the therapist is going to be the bedrock of doing good work so that's the part of that that's what I would always advocate is is trying to find the, the person that you feel you feel most comfortable with and you feel that you are connected with so that you can do that good work with.